0: Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. We're, we're, you got to talk to me a little bit today. We're going to start a new series today uh, called Homework. I just want to kind of reflect back. I hated homework. Anybody else? Can I get a healthy amen? I hated homework. Homework. I still hate homework. Uh, I recognize now, looking back, that homework was essential. Anybody ever do like I did and try to do everything within your ability and power not to do your homework? I mean, we came up lame, lame excuses like my dog ate it, uh, my little sister ate it. I don't care. I'd come up with anything. My mom and dad had this rule in my house. You couldn't do anything else after school until you got your homework done. I couldn't go out and play. I couldn't, you know, watch TV. I couldn't play uh Atari. Y'all don't even know what that is, most of you. Um Okay, what was the other one I had? It was I, I no, it was this Intellivision, yeah. We we thought we were big time. We had an Intellivision. Y'all don't even know what it'd probably be worth like nine million dollars now if you could find a new one in a box. But anyway, uh we couldn't do any of that until we had our homework done. What I've discovered in life is that uh there's still homework to be done, even as you grow older. There's homework to be done. In fact, what I would say to you is this. I know of some pretty good marriages. I've been around some. I've seen some pretty healthy homes, families, but I've never seen one yet that didn't still require work. It is a constant uh, effort, and there's constant diligence required. And so what we're going to do over the course of this week, is, ladies, just let me tell you, if you got an amen in you, you better get it out today because I'm going after the guys today, and so you get to amen this week. Guys, just hang on. You get to amen next week, and normally the guys can amen louder than the girls, so y'all bet girls, you better get it out of your system today. Just amen me. Just waylay your guy. If you're sitting next to your, your guy, just, I mean, just put it on him. Amen every word out of my mouth just so he'll feel beat up. No, I'm playing. Okay. The reason that I feel like we got to start with the guys, we're going to talk about working dads is because, uh, here, you know, uh, the key to our families are our men. Okay, now I know in our society we got single moms and, and all that kind of stuff, and I'm not bashing single moms. Really what I'm saying to you is it just makes a single mom's job even harder because she's got to do both. What we're going to talk about will apply to all of us, but I want to hone in on the men today. The reason that is important is because the man is the foundational uh, element of our home, Uh By God's structure, and so we got to make sure that we get our thing right. I also want to say to you, uh, as an example, uh, the impact of not having fathers. Healthy father relationship, husband relationship is revealed in what I'm getting ready to tell you. Did you know that in America, right now, there are almost 2 million people incarcerated? They're in prison. Almost 2 million. And of those 2 million, 93% of them are men. And of those 93%, 85% of those men came from fatherless homes. And so what that reveals to us is that it is necessary for the men to step up and fill the role of the priest, of the leader of the home, if our homes are going to be everything they're supposed to be. So what I think we ought to do this morning is let me talk to you about doing the work that God has called us to do as men and as dads and as husbands. And the best way I know to illustrate that to you is to show you in Scripture an example of what we're not supposed to do. All right, let me show you. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, and it says this, Eli's own sons were a bad lot. They didn't know God and could not have cared less about the customs of priests among the people. Ordinarily, when someone offered a sacrifice, the priest's servants were supposed to come up, and while the meat was boiling, stab a three-pronged fork into the cooking pot. The priest then got whatever came up on the fork. But this is how Eli's sons treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh to offer sacrifices to God. Before they had even burned the fat to God, the priest servant would interrupt whoever was sacrificing and say, hand over some of that meat for the priest to roast. He doesn't like boiled meat. He likes his rare and if the man objected, first let me burn the fat, God's portion, then take all you want. The servant would demand, no, I want it now. And if you won't give it, I'll take it. It was a horrible sin these young servants were committing. And right in the presence of God, desecrating the holy offerings to God. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 22. Now Eli was very old, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel. And how they slept with women who served at the entrance to the tent of the meeting, and so he said to them, "Why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours." Verse 29. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering? This is God speaking to Eli. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering? made by my people Israel, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 17. And so my son Eli said, what happened? What's going on here is this the children of Israel have gone out to battle. A, a young man runs back to report that what's going on, and he recognizes that there's turmoil and there's chaos, and he says, what's going on? And the messenger answered, Israel scattered before the Philistines. The defeat was catastrophic with enormous losses. Your sons Hophni and Phinehas died, and the chest of God was taken. At the words, chest of God, Eli fell backwards off his stool where he sat next to the gate. Eli was an old man and very fat, and when he fell, he broke his neck and died. He had led Israel for 40 years. That is in a nutshell, a picture of what our families cannot be like. It is a dysfunctional family and it shows us what happens when the dad, the husband, the man of the house is not living up to the requirements that God has placed on us. See, many in our society would say that the number one enemy that a man faces is lust. Our 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 society is sex-saturated. I mean, we use sex to sell everything. Toothpaste, uh, shampoo, I mean, cars. It's ridiculous. It has nothing to do... With the woman, but we 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 flaunt sex and use it. It's on every billboard. It's on magazines. It's on the computer. It's everywhere. That's what we utilize. And so most most when you start talking about men, we go well. The number one man, the number one enemy a man faces is lust. What I would say that's is that's not true. Well, then it's got to be pride. The number one enemy a man faces is pride. If we could get our men to just uh, reveal who they really are and confess who they really are and quit trying to prove who they are not, then it's got to be pride. That's the number one enemy man faces is pride. I would say that's uh, one that we face, but that's not the number one enemy we face. Maybe it's anger. Have you ever met an angry man? It kind of destroys everything around him, doesn't it? The family becomes... uh, a painful situation at work. He's killing everybody. I mean maybe it's anger. No, 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 no. I want to say to you today that the number one enemy that our men face today is not lust. It's not anger. It's not pride. It's apathy. Apathy is the number one enemy that our men face. Let me see if I can bring this to light out of the scripture that I read to you listen to what it said. It said that Eli heard reports about what his sons were doing. In other words, if you read between the lines, Eli was completely disconnected from his sons to the point that he had to rely on what other people were telling him about his sons. He didn't even know what his sons were doing. In fact, once he heard the reports Then he responds in an apathetic manner. He talks to them about it, but he doesn't lay down the law, and he doesn't discipline or reprimand them. He just simply talks. He was apathetic in his reaction towards what God was saying they were doing wrong. The number one enemy we face is apathy. Adam uh, subdued the garden, but he couldn't step up and fight for his family. Think about that. Now, how do we learn apathy? We were taught by our first father. Eli's just carrying on the example of what he had learned from his first father. Come on, guys, you gotta, you got to admit, men, we're aggressive. You think about it. it, doesn't matter if it's football, it doesn't matter if it's work, it doesn't matter if it's cornhole, it doesn't matter if it's ping pong, which is a contact sport, by the way, at least if you're playing me, it's going to be a contact sport. It doesn't matter what we're involved in, we are absolutely fighting for domination. I want to dominate you, I will squash you. I'm not going to let my kids win against me in basketball, I'm going to destroy them. Put me on the football field in practice, make me run the kickoff back with no pads, Jeff can, see, he amen. Because he's seen me do that, I will run them over if I have to. I, I don't. Care. I'm in this for domination, right? This is competition. So if we are so competitive, and if we are so aggressive, then why can't we bring that same concern and that same energy and that same effort to our families? Uh, I, you know, I, I I just don't understand why. When it comes to our kids and comes to our home, what most of us do as men, preaching about me, preaching about the men in the house, is we will back up and allow our women to lead. I don't understand that. It's apathy. So Eli's apathy cost him his entire family. I read to you the account. The Bible says that the children of Israel go out to war, and Eli, uh, what's his name? I just lost his name. has die on the battlefield as a direct response to Eli's apathy. Right? So let me just say this to you, and I believe this with all of my heart. We have too many of our wives that are widowed and too many of our children that are orphaned, even though the man is still alive. And living in the home. That's a powerful statement. See, I just want to say to this this to our men today. I want to challenge you. Some of us need to check our man card. We need to check our man card because we are we are in fact men by anatomy, but we have allowed apathy to neuter us and what i am calling you to as the man of your home and and the priest of your home whether you're single married whatever i'm i am calling you to step back up to the plate and lead like god has called you to lead because if you acquiesce and you don't lead and you step back as a, out of a spirit of apathy and say well my wife's got this and my wife can be the prayer warrior and my wife can be the one that leads the devotions and my wife can be the one that makes all the decisions and my, what happens is as you back up you you pull the covering of God off of your family and you expose your wife and your children to things that they were never re- required or called by God to even respond to. And so it's time that we go back and accept the mandate to work on our family. We are not allowed the luxury of being apathetic. We are called to do home work. It's not your wife's responsibility to do all the work on your home and on your family by herself. Men, we are required to do work on our homes. So how do we know or what should we be doing to work on our homes? Let, let me say that there are several things here that I think we've got to take care of, at least three. Uh, I think if we are going to be the men of God for our wives, for our children, for our homes, single, married, doesn't matter. If you're a man in the house, say, Ugh. Okay, just I thought I had a couple of you in here. I wasn't sure. If we're going to be the men that God has called us to be, then what we have to do is this working dads or working men model or provide discipline. All right? So Eli didn't model or provide any discipline for his sons, and so they end up dying. Because of his lack of discipline, he wasn't working as a dad. Now, when I say discipline, I am not just talking about spankings and groundings. Although, our homes would probably be better off than they are right now if we would do a little bit of that. All right? My dad, I've told you this before, my dad was Zorro. All right? Payaya, you know? But because he was sorrow, he had zero problems with me because I knew what he could do with the belt, even though he loved me. He wasn't abusing me. He was disciplining me. I thank my dad for the fact that he understood that without discipline, you cannot, catch this, doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, without discipline, you cannot get disciple. They go hand in hand. He understood that if Steve is going to be a disciple of Christ like he should, then there has to and there is required that there is discipline in his life and he's got to learn some things, sometimes the hard way, and I will correct him so that he will understand this and therefore discipline will come into his life, which will produce a disciple and he will live a more effective life. And so that's what he taught me. See, I'm talking about the entire scope and concept of discipline, our lack of discipline actually disciples our kids another way. If we don't provide discipline in our home, again, I'm not just talking about spankings and groundings. If our homes aren't marked by discipline, we actually disciple our children another way. We disciple our children to be surrounded by chaos and catastrophe for the rest of their life. That's what happens. So here are some three areas that I think as men, especially as men, that we have got to provide discipline. Are you ready? Number one is we've got to help our families learn how to do good decision making. We've got to help our families learn to make good choices. Eli's sons were making absolutely terrible decisions, and Eli never provided them any guidance. He just stood by and watched as they made decisions that would ultimately destroy their life. And he he sat there and did nothing he should have been modeling for them decision making. How many of our wives and kids are making life altering decisions with no assistance from us? For instance, we will, men are bad about this, some women too. We will literally watch our children date people that they should never date, and because we don't want to, they might not talk to us about their dating life anymore if we come down hard on them tough. But we will watch them date people we know are not saved. Or if they are saved, they're not where they should be. And we won't say squat. And then we wonder why they get hurt and they get destroyed. They get pregnant. They get married and divorced. They get broken hearted. They carry baggage into the relationship that God has intended for them. It's us. We haven't taught them to make good decisions. Guys... Man, I pick my kids up from school every day, and I am shocked when 16-year-old girls come out of the school wearing things with stuff hanging out all over the place, and the first thought that comes through my mind is, where's the dad? Forget the mom, because the dad knows how men think, and for me as a man, I'm not letting my 16-year-old daughter out of the house wearing that. I mean, we're probably going to get a curtain and cut a hole in it and put it over and tie it around the ankles and she's going to go to school like that. You understand what I'm saying? I just had this Carol Burnett flashback, that Gone with the Wind scene where she grabbed the curtain rod. You remember that? Yeah, that's what my daughter, if I had a daughter, that's what she would look like when she went to school, right? I pray for my boys because I'm like, where are the men in these little girls' lives that are, they're, they're actually impacting my boys because they won't help their daughters make better decisions about the length of their shorts and the lowness of their shirts? Give me a break. Where are the men? If you got a daughter... Lock her up. Just put her in the bedroom. Lock her up. Don't let her out until she's 35, all right? It'll be better for you, better for her, and b- better all around. Decisions, right? What about this one? We will allow our children, and sometimes even as men, we'll allow our spouses to make terrible financial decisions and never step in and say no. How do we stop all that? We model good decisions. We, You know how I learned to tithe? My mom and dad taught me to tithe. They would give I was making big bucks back then. They would give me a dollar a week allowance. Whew, I was rolling in the dough, man. I knew that before I could ever leave their presence, the first 10 cents went in my tithe jar. They modeled for me as a five and a six-year-old good financial decisions. I learned to tithe. We teach our children to tithe by tithing. We teach our children to save. By saving, we are responsible to help our children's financial future. You are teaching your kids right now how they are going to live their future life by how you handle your money. And if you teach your children not to tithe because you don't tithe, you are literally cursing your children from now forward until they break the curse and learn on their own. We are obligated as men to teach our families and to model for our families how to be blessed, how to be... uh, Supernaturally touched by God in every area of our life by how we discipline and model discipline for them. The th- second thing is this: we should model discipline by our priorities. Men, we got to set priorities. Uh, let me let me see if I can bring some light to this. There's a re- really revealing portion of Scripture that I read to you about Eli. The Bible says that. Eli, this is how it was worded in the Message Bible, Eli was very fat. So, well, I've taught you that your nat- the natural reveals the spiritual. And so Eli's physical condition reveals his spiritual condition. In other words, he lacked any discipline. It's not enough to talk a good game. He can talk about a disciplined life. He can preach it because he was the priest. I guess he had the opportunity to preach. He could preach and do devotions about a disciplined life. But his sons watched his natural life, and it revealed to them that there was no priorities. In fact, the Bible tells us that his priorities was his food. Even God said to him, why do you prefer what you eat over me? He preferred his sons over God. His priorities were all jacked up, and because they were all messed up, and his his young men saw that with their own eyes, that they didn't see any discipline, then what happens is they failed to learn to live a prioritized life. Let Let me say it like this. Men, you must make God a priority, or your kids and your wife will not. Some of you are heartbroken that your kids really don't care about church and you wish they care about church, then men, what I would ask you is why don't they care about church? How? What have they seen in your life that makes them not care about church any more than they do? Because the reality is, is they will make a priority what you make a priority. And therefore, if they hate church, then there's probably a pretty good chance that they've either heard you say something or they've watched you skip church for various reasons and sundry reasons and any reason, like a good football game on Sunday afternoon that I can't stand to miss. And they say, well, then God is not the priority. Football's the priority or whatever's the priority. The lake's the priority. The car's the priority. The job is the priority. And they, and they get their life out of whack. They learn that from us. Listen, if if your job is more important than God, don't be surprised when your kids don't place God as their number one priority. If your family is not important to you, then don't be surprised if your family is not important to your kids. Your priority list, let me say this, I believe this with all of my heart, your priority list will become your kids' priority list. Your priority list will one day become your kids' priority list. Why do I care about church so much? Because I watched my family, my mom and my dad, give their lives for the kingdom of God. I highly prioritized my life around the things of God because I watched my dad and my mom give their lives to the kingdom of God. It was important to them. And so it was important what you value your kids will value what you worship your kids will worship you can either teach your kids now by pursuing god or you will spend your later years pursuing your kids we model a disciplined life by our priorities our and, and so let so let me help you men i'm talking to men today Men, let me just share with you what our priorities should be. They are the same exact priorities that God gave Adam in the garden. He had three responsibilities. These were his priorities. Are you ready? Number one, willingly obey God. That was the number one. Do my will. That was his number one priority. That was his assigned priority. He didn't always fulfill that, as we know. Thank you very much, Adam. Two, do the job I've called you to do. Tend the garden. Subdue the garden. I've called you to do that. That w- that was second and three, love the woman that I give to you. Don't wo- don't love the other woman or somebody else's woman. He had it kind of easy. There was no other woman. Right? You know, kinda, that was, but that was his responsibility. Those were his three priorities that he was called to. That is the mandate that we have: obey God, love God, do the work that He's called us to do, and love your wife and now your kids. Those are our priorities. The third one that I want to say to you is this, is we model disciplined life with by establishing boundaries. Eli's sons did what they did. The Bible says this, Eli's sons did what they did right in the presence of God. They slept with the women that were manning the gates of the temple, and they stole the food from the offerings right in the presence of God, and Eli did nothing but what we know is that Eli had the, had made a covenant as a priest to stand up for what was right and and his one of his number one obligations was to protect the temple and he wouldn't fulfill that he wouldn't set the boundaries he even had the authority to excommunicate his own sons and get them out of the temple and say you can no longer be priest and he wouldn't do it because he would establish no boundaries I just want to say this to you this morning Many of our greatest regrets in life could probably be avoided if we would just put guardrails in place. If we would establish some guardrails, most of the issues that I have dealt with in this body with men and women alike would have never been, been become an issue if we would have just established some guardrails in our life that we wouldn't go past. Boundaries. If you don't establish guardrails in your life and in the lives of your children, you will find yourself in the same position that Eli's daughter-in-law found herself upon the news of Eli's death and upon the news of of her husband and brother-in-law's death. The Bible says she gave birth to a baby and she named that baby Ichabod, which means the glory has gone. And what I would say to you this morning is that guardrails and boundaries keep the glory in the house. It is the boundaries that we place in our life that establish this guardrail system, this this encompassing system of areas that we won't go past, that when we get there and almost step over and realize what we're about to do, we pull back and the glory stays in the house. It is when we cross the guardrails, the glory leaves. The favor is gone. Some of you need to set some boundaries today with your time. Some of you guys need to set some boundaries with your job. Some of you need to set some boundaries with relationships. Some of you need to set some boundaries with your computer. Some of you need to set some boundaries with your TV. And we're going to help you in some of those areas today, I promise. Hang on, we're going to get to some really practical stuff here in just about two or three seconds, and I'm going to be done. But we are called, we are mandated, men and women alike, establish boundaries in your life. Listen, you would better set up some boundaries, or you better be prepared to deal with a lot of debris. Because your life will fall apart if you don't set up boundaries. Eli wouldn't set boundaries. You can guard now or crash later. What is or is not acceptable in your home? That's guardrails. Come on now. you got to communicate about these things. You need to have a sit down with your wife and your kids and say, as a part of our home, you will not do this. Well, I'll make them mad tough you're going to be the one that's mad when they do what you don't want them to do so be clear in your communication and say we will not do this we won't go to a movie that's rated whatever we won't go to this place and spend any time because of the environment we won't hang out with these kind of people because they rub off on us we won't do this on our computer we we got to set some boundaries in our lives you got to agree on some things with your spouse and your children Eli followed the example of Adam. He put no discipline in his family. He didn't help his kids make good decisions. He didn't have his priorities right. He didn't have any boundaries. And just like Adam, his family ruptures and his kids die. And so this morning, I want to give you your homework. Guys, we got to get this right. We have to do our homework. Here is our homework for you, very simply. Ephesians chapter 5, here it is in a nutshell. This is our homework from God. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. When's was the last time you went all out? I think we just did this series called All In. I'm telling you now to go all out. All right. Go all out for for in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love, here it is, here it is, here's our homework. A love marked by giving, not getting. Now, I want to tell you, that's that's tough homework, and that's hard homework to live up to. I'll be the first to admit, that's that's a toughie. But we've got to determine in our own families, what does it mean to go all out in our love for them, and how do we live in such a way that I'm I'm loving you to give to you, not to get from you. See, guys, we're good about trying to get. I want my wife when I want her for what I want her for. I want the laundry done. I want the house clean. I want the kids schooled. There's another element in there I want. You know, come on now. Come on. But that's all about getting. That's not about, what about I want to make her day better? What about I want to make her successful? What about I, I want to make her feel so fulfilled and so loved that she feels like she's married to the best man she could have ever? I never have a doubt. See, we work harder to obtain than we do to maintain or sustain. And a lot of us guys will pursue until we get, and then we quit working. We'll give flowers, we'll romance until we get them, and then we quit. Ladies, if a guy romances you while he's dating you, and then ask, after he asks you to marry, he stops all that—red flag, red flag, stop. Or until you you get his class ring, or y'all start going steady, and then all that dries up, you better get out because it'll only get worse as you. Get further in your relationship your homework go all out for your love for your wives and kids exactly as Christ did for the church a love marked by giving not getting that is your homework there's no apathy in that statement you recognize that there's not one minute off in that statement I had a rough day at work husbands go all out unless you had a hard day at work My car, it's just, my car's just driving me. Go all out until your car messes up. And then you can treat everybody like dirt. No, it says go all out. There's work in this statement. So let me help you. We're going to help you this morning, guys. This is specifically for you. We're going to help you set up some boundaries and help model for you discipline and decision-making and priorities. So this is what we're gonna do. Today, men, we are providing you this opportunity. There's a system out there, a service out there called Covenant Eyes. Now this this doesn't do everything. This is just this one area that we're honing in on because I think we need to. There's this service out there called Covenant Eyes. It's a very simple program. It works in on your computer and on your smartphone. Because see I believe this one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your wife in particular is trust. You can buy her all the stuff you want to buy for That's great. She'll love you for it. But really, what she longs for more than anything is to be able to trust you. right? And if you're not married in here, you can do this as well. It's for all the men in the house. This Covenant Eyes system goes on your uh, computer or on your smartphone, and what it does is it monitors where you spend your time and how much time you spend on the Internet and what you look at. And you select an accountability partner. It can be anybody you want it to be. You just enter their email address. They get an invitation to serve as your accountability partner. Then when you go to a site that is questionable, it sends them a report every week of how much time you spend on the Internet and what you're looking at. And you want somebody as your accountability partner that will call you on it and say, why are you looking at this? And you can explain yourself. Les Jones, Jamie's brother, called me two weeks ago. I was in the airport on the way to Tennessee. He said, Hey, dude, I got your internet report and I want to know what you were looking at. This one is questionable. And I had to explain myself to him. All right? Listen, our leadership team. Almost, we're about 90% right now, and they're going to all be there, I promise you, have signed up for this program because I believe that the greatest thing we can do for our families is model discipline and say to them, we will not do this. Women, let's just be honest. How many of the ladies, this is your chance to respond, how many of the ladies in the house that are married right now have wondered at times what your husband is actually looking at online? Y'all not brave enough, are you? Okay, yeah, okay, I got a few. All right, I got a couple for you. You know, we're going to help you. I, we could pr- Listen, Tari, when I sent the email out to her leadership team that we were going to do this, Tari read the email to Amy and she started weeping. Because she recognized this is the greatest gift you can give to me as my spouse. is trust. Okay, here's the deal. Normally, Covenant Eyes cost $9 a month to sign up. And most of the time, I'm, I'm there. We go, man, I can't afford $9 a month. Okay, so let me make it real easy for you. I contacted them, and what would normally cost you 108 bucks a year, we have we have contracted with them through the church that it will only cost you $2 a month, 24 bucks a year. So here's what we need you to do. If you want to join this, there's some information on in the comm center out there. I encourage every man in the house to do, married, unmarried, four, 10 years old up. I don't care. If you've got an internet access, you ought to be on this thing. That. You just come and see me and say, I want to be a part of that. And you can write us a $24 check or you can write a $2 check a month and put it in the offering plate and give me your email or you can sign up. I'll send you, you can do all the sign up yourself. You just give me your email. I will send you the document that you push the button that signs you up. You select your accountability partner. I don't ever see your report. They see your report. Your wife might ought to be your accountability partner. And it provides trust for them. Two bucks a month and you can buy greatest gift you could ever buy for your wife and your kids. I have seen families literally destroyed by what they do, what men do on the internet. I've got two guys at least in my life, or were in my life, that are no longer part of my life because they walked away from their families, they're divorced, their kids are traumatized, and they're married to a lady they met on the internet. And their life has falling apart. Two bucks a month. I don't want anybody to know what I'm on the, looking at on the internet. Then you got a problem. Wives, put the pressure on them. Say, All I want for my birthday this year is two bucks a month. I'll sign you up. Okay. The second thing we're going to do is this. Um, we're going to start this monthly gathering called the Allies. Listen, the price of <laughs> the price of concealment is much. Greater than the price of confession. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to get together once a month. The first one is on October 1st. It's on a Saturday morning, 8 a.m., at the Runway Cafe at Wiley Post Airport. It's for men 16 years old and older. We're going to sit around and we are going to be unbelievably transparent. That's why I put an age limit on it—16 and up. We're going to talk. We're gonna, I'm going to start a set of devotions, and we're going to eat together. And it's going to carry us through. And on a monthly basis, we are going to get together and we are going to talk about real issues. I'm tired of watching our men fall. All right? Too many have fallen. Too many have destroyed their families in the process. I would rather us get together once a month and talk now than to do marriage counseling later. Okay. So we're going to do this. So, uh, Jeff, would you help me? Every man in the house just is going to get a card right now as your invitation to that first meeting, and then we will continue that uh, as we go on, and you can be a part of that. That is our homework. That is what we're going to do together. This is your, Make it a priority. Make it a priority. Be there. Well, I can't afford the food. Okay, come and hang out. You don't have to buy any food. Come and hang out for about an hour, hour and a half. We're going to be transparent with one another and look at one another and say, how's your family doing? I don't want to know how your job is doing all unless it impacts your family. I want to know how you and your wife are doing. How are you and your kids doing? What have you been spending time watching on TV? What have you been watching on the Internet? What are you doing? And we're going to talk about it and learn from God's word together. And we're going to guard each other's back. Because here it is the deal. I did this before. If one of our men fall, it impacts the whole body. We can't afford for anybody else to fall. This is how I want to stand this morning. I want every man that will to come and join me up here. Just stand right here in the front. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Go all out. And you're a young man, but you're a man. I'm glad you've got a good model in your life that's modeling. Just, Ratna, come on. Quinn, where you at? I know you work like a girl, but you're not a girl. Come on. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Quinn, <laughs> Quinn worked his rear off the last two days. You need to go see the landscaping that he helped do. Y'all just come right up in here. We're going to get together here. Um, ladies, would you stand in the congregation and would you just stretch your hands out? As we kind of band together as a group of brothers in the Lord, I just believe God's calling us to great things. It's time for the men to step up. House, come on! I know you're running sound. You got to be a part of this too. House and Angie finalized adoption for Mika this week. Was that this week? My my week? Last week? My my weeks are all running together, dude. We went to the courthouse and got the official papers, and she is a, she is now. A, I start to say a house now a false. so amen father we just pray today as men that you would call us challenge us we step up to the challenge that you've called us to help us to love our women all out help us to love our kids all out god help us to love what you love and to hate what you hate i pray that you'd help us to model discipline by the decisions we make by our priorities in our life god by the boundaries that we're willing to set up god we ask that you penetrate the secrets of our heart and our life. Help us to give our families the greatest gift that they can ever get, our trust and, and understanding that we're trying our very best to live a holy and a pure life. God, I, I thank you for these men. We are in this together, God. We will fight for one another. If I see the enemy coming against one of my brothers, I refuse to just stand by and do nothing. We will battle for one another. We are fighting together in this. Call us, I pray, oh God. I pray for every man in this circle every family represented every family in the future represented God that you would enable us to be mighty men of God that would do great exploits for your kingdom and we understand that we can only do that if we start setting up the guardrails in our lives right now keep us from falling I pray oh God help us in our walk with you anoint us to be the men of God you called us to be in our families I pray God help us to do your will to obey you to do the work that you've called us to do and to love the woman that you've given us to love or that you will give us to love. Father, we believe you're going to call us to do that and we just, we partner with one another to accomplish that great call on our lives. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, listen, look at me. Join Covenant Eyes. It's easy. It just operates in the background. You don't even know it's there. It's simple. It's two bucks a month. Greatest gift you of that, you just write your name down. Give me two bucks. We'll sign you up. You select your own accountability partner, all right? And then join me on on these ally meetings, allies meetings, and let's talk. Find out what life is really going on in, in, in your life, life and world where we struggle. All right. Love you guys. Thanks for being here this morning. We'll see you uh next week. I encourage you next week after second service, go by the Bethany campus. Just stop in and see what God is doing. Amen.